Rumor has it there is a secret base hidden underneath the Archelaus. So have you ever been in a spaceship? Don't try this at home. Secrets of Area 51 Reveal. I'm from Sirius A, not Sirius B. Who are Tia, ha? Yeah, hey. Mama. It's time to open your eyes, open your mind, and shift your paradigm. You're tuned in to another episode of All Night with the Living Geeks, a podcast in which we investigate and discuss high strangeness in the world in which we live. I'm your host, Taylor, and across the virtual desk for me tonight is my brother, Seb. Seb, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing good, but I'll, I'll have to admit I'm a little, <laughs> a little, I don't know. I don't want to say sad, but, you know, it's kind of the end of a big road trip for the two of us tonight. It is a little bittersweet, isn't it? Bittersweet. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, I'm feeling a little emotional. So, um, but otherwise, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Um, How are you doing? I'm okay. Uh, October has been a very busy month. Mm. Um, Did not quite anticipate it being this busy. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I really was kind of like researching and making notes right up to the last minute. I I feel like sometimes when you kind of start deep diving on stuff, there comes a point where you just kind of have to come up for air air and do something else for a while. And that was most of October for me. (laughs) I was just like, okay, okay, my head's full. I need to go clear my clear my mind mm. look at something else and then all of a sudden it was like oh crap i really need to cram these you know last five episodes in mm-hmm. get that rewatch done and 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 you know get everything ready for tonight so right. yeah it's a little bit of a push but things are well here good good I'm glad to hear it yeah john almost was able to make it with us uh and we were very excited for that possibility but he uh, messaged me this morning he's like oh i'm not gonna be able to make it man i'm sorry that's okay John is still part of the team. We will hear from him soon. But I want to make note, um, folks, if you're uh, looking for a um, kind of a paranormal but also comedy um, podcast, I am going to recommend because words are failing me tonight already. Oh, boy. uh, Mythic Hunters. Um, It is um, it's scripted. It's it's kind of uh, uh, done like a late night talk show kind of thing, late night radio show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very funny. Uh, it's produced by John's fiance Lauren, um, and amazingly enough, this latest episode uh, that just dropped today, um, John actually does a little bit of vocal work in it, and I oh, was wow. like, dude, I didn't even realize that was you. He's like, then I did a good job. <laughs> Very cool. I'll have to check yeah. that out. That's exciting. Absolutely. They actually, last Monday, they had an episode on the Men in Black, and mm. it was their funniest yet. Oh, really? Okay. It was so good. Nice. So good. So yeah, look for Mythic Hunters wherever you get podcasts, um, and enjoy that very much. Um, Seb, October spooky month has 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 come and gone now mm. 
what was new in your weird? Well, I have to tell you, um, one of my coworkers grew up in the city of Pleasanton, California, back in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was talking with him the other day about how um, I came down to visit you and give you your birthday gift. And we hung out and went to Pleasanton, went to downtown, had some ice cream and went to um, a pizza parlor. All institutions and businesses he was intimately familiar with from back in the day. So he was telling mm-hmm. me stories. And he claims that the pizza parlor that we actually had lunch at is a allegedly haunted which well that wouldn't surprise me given the age of the building it's yeah i mean now that i think about it it kind of makes sense because it looked like a pretty historic structure for sure yeah yeah Um, and it's been added on to a little bit but i think the i think the waitress we had didn't she say like the the front of the building where we were was like so like 1840s 1880s it was like a stagecoach yeah like an old 19th century stage stage yeah. scene or whatever yeah 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 um, does not surprise me yeah so i mean i didn't i didn't experience anything but i just love the fact that uh you and i got to go to a ha- allegedly haunted location together even if we didn't know it at the time so yeah no, i'll take I, it it was fun and it was tasty pizza and the cheese curds were amazing oh yeah those were good mm-hmm. fried cheese curds oh. heck yes <laughs> how about you what's weird what weird happened to you uh, this past I, month? you know it's kind of funny i mean october being you know the, the the spooky month i didn't really have anything all that weird mm. happen and then last weekend we went to the northern california renaissance fair down at casa de fruta mm. um and i we you know we, we got in and um i realized oh crap i left my phone in the car mm-hmm. right and i want to take pictures of the kids and all of us and everything so i go running back well i've got to get my handstand right um, or I guess they, they do the inside of your forearm just cause it probably gets a little less sweaty. Uh, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, here, go ahead stamp it. And he stamps it and I go running off and then I look at my arm. The stamp literally says green man. Oh really? <laughs> yes. Oh no. And I was like, oh, okay. well that's, that's exciting. That's interesting. Was it, was it green ink though? No, it was, it was, oh. uh, it was purple. Oh, okay. All right. A purple green man. Purple. A purple like green it. man. Yeah, hey, it's two very 90s colors, purple and green together. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just with everything that we've been doing lately and getting Green Man stamped on me literally, I was like, okay. It's a sign. <laughs> That's cool. And honestly, you know, being the Ren Fair, there's always people dressing up, but this was their last weekend. Mm. It was also their, quote unquote, their Halloween weekend. Ah, okay encouraging everybody to dress up especially the kids but i saw i saw at least two people dressed as pan oh no way yes okay like like down to like you know boots that look like hooves oh wow kind of thing yeah and not in that like weird 1987 dragnet movie way (laughs) yes remember that we loved that movie. the pagans yep oh yeah yes yes oh my gosh and that dancing they did um but yeah that was kind of funny i was like oh look Here's all this stuff that I've been researching lately just kind of popping up all around me here. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Oh, well, this is it, folks. Uh, it's November, the culmination of the past three months. Mm. I mean, really, it's the culmination of nearly the last nine months as we've been covering topics that are hell year adjacent before diving down the rabbit hole for the past three. Uh, well, I guess the past two and this one. 
whatever, it's math. Where last month's episode covered all the research and madness that happened between wrapping the first season and releasing it, this episode covers the rest of season two, from releasing Hellier out into the wild through invoking Pan in a cave near Somerset, Kentucky, and some pretty mind-bending discoveries after that. So uh, grab your ciphers and your Frank's boxes and let us get into it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of hard at this point not to kind of just go chronological with the episodes at least mm. uh even though those are kind of jumping around but you know finally we we kind of get to the part of the story where they're just about to uh release hell you're into the wild this is what january i think of 2018 okay um and it suddenly occurs to everyone hey we we never kept the can it's a tin can that's a tin can Tin can. Like an old tin can. Tin can. Tin can. I just sound like a tin can. That that that's amazing, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Um. So they make a quick run down to the cave where they found it, mm-hmm. and amazingly enough, after a bit of poking around, there it is. Right. It was still there. It was still there. It. Um. They were like, oh, it moved, and then it's like, why? Well, I think we were kind of kicking it around. Right. Okay. And stuff. Um, but it is it is a permanent part of, you know, their museum. Mm-hmm. Display now, you clean it up a little bit and it's, you know, encased in a little box and everything. Um it's I don't know. It it looks like I don't know. Somebody's described it as kind of like one of those, like uh, like a like a tin can out of an out, out of like an MRE or something, Did, where it's got like a like a not a foil top but a, yeah. a tin top that would peel off. Yeah, I always thought it looked like a little can of Dinty More beef stew, but that's yeah. I'm not no, sure that, if they've ever done any research to figure out like the manufacturer or the brand or whatever. Um, I think they have, and I don't know the information offhand, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't yeah. um I wouldn't want to share my recollection of it and be wrong okay um so yeah one of the fun things about this episode is you you get a lot of the early reaction of people when once season one drops yeah that's a great montage yeah um yeah it is it's a great montage it was something that i think when i first saw it i was like oh i recognize that voice i listen to their podcast oh i recognize you know um a bunch of uh you know, different people, the guys from the last podcast on the left, uh, uh, Aaron over at Saucer Life, who's also a big Doctor Who fan. Um, and so, but it's also all these emails that they get from, mm-hmm. from, from people who kind of like live in that area and have had similar experiences. Um, people who've kind of um, dug into their, into the cipher on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're finding similar things kind of through the same methods. They're getting like, really close to the stuff that the team has discovered mm-hmm. um and that that's really kind of fascinating because it, it i think it starts to introduce the this idea that like the phenomena can be different thing when it needs to be mm. um and that's that's an idea that we'll kind of talk about a little bit more later on um somebody suggested that like like david and terry are themselves sigils Mm, mm -hmm. um which is which is kind of an odd you know thing to think about but i think it's i think it's very possible um you know a sigil being a a symbol crafted to kind of put a particular intentional or a particular working um out into the world Mm. um i also I, i love i love seeing that that people are still finding it 
today in 2022. This is one of the things I love about following these guys on Twitter mm. is they'll, when people are first discovering it and they're like, oh my God, mm. how have I not seen this before? Oh my gosh, this mm -hmm. is completely ruined, you know, paranormal TV for me mm -hmm. or whatever. And this stuff gets shared and, and, and retweeted and stuff. And it's, it's like, um, you know, hey, welcome to the rabbit hole. Yeah, there a lot of positive reaction in the in the community and in, I guess in the paranormal press when when season 1 episode 1 dropped for the first did Yeah. They, I wonder if it dropped like did they drop the whole season at one yes. or they okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay. So it wasn't Yeah, really they did. Spaced out. I got gotcha. you. Nope. It was it was all 5 episodes at once. Okay. It wasn't on any streaming service at first outside of YouTube. Mm. Um, or you could have gone to their website and literally downloaded the episodes yourself, which is what I did. Oh, okay. Um, I was like, I totally want to watch this. So I'll slap it on my computer or load it onto my phone and I can watch whenever they did that with season two as well, which I think was excellent. Okay. That said, if you really want to support them, go buy the Blu-rays because it's mm -hmm. got commentary and stuff and that's really good. Mm. But what I find interesting, especially after our episode last month where we kind of maybe have an address for injured cold right yeah or an injured cold mm -hmm. um is that in kind of all of this stuff that kind of comes in after season one drops uh andy colton who was a uh an associate of john keels at one point and kind of has um inherited all his work um and stuff is kind of the the um, caretaker of it for lack of a better term even he chimes in mm with a possible location uh -huh. for Andrew's house. So again, it's it's people coming to similar things through different methods. Um, and, and in talking about all of this, um, you know, they're still doing more research. And one of the things that comes up is uh, George P. Hansen's book, uh, The Trickster and the Paranormal. Oh, yeah. Um, I have that book. It's very, very thick. Mm. Um, it's, it's huge. It's actually a pretty good read. It's not... It's not so, um, what's the right term, academic, mm -hmm. that it's kind of like, okay, you guys are using all these $5 words I can't follow along. Mm -hmm. um, but it's one of those things where I really kind of have to be in the mood for that kind of content. I can't, I can't just pick it up after a long day at work and be like, okay, let's dive into this. <laughs> right. um, but, but bless uh, George Hansen, though, he, he literally says in the entry, he's like, you don't have to read this book in order. Mm, interesting. He's like, he's like, you can read this in whatever order you want. If something strikes your fancy, read it. It's not going to hurt if you, you know, haven't read the three, the three chapters before it or whatever, mm -hmm. which I love that. I love that. That's great. I don't have to mm -hmm. go, oh man, I've got to slog through this chapter in order to get to that one that I want. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't. You don't. But part of what comes out of that is, is the idea that, um, disarray, liminality, marginalized people, people on the fringes of society or people who are in transitory period mm. um, tend to manifest paranormal activity more than people who are, say, in a very stable situation. I, I really picked up on that point during that the episode 11 because uh, growing up as a kid, one of my first things that exposed me to paranormal stuff was watching American rebroadcasts of an old British show called Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. Sure, and great show. Great show, um, Arthur C. Clarke. I mean, the idea of a, of a towering intellectual genius like Clarke hosting a paranormal TV show, first of all, boggles my mind. Mm -hmm. He was sort of like a real, like, I don't want to say tastemaker, but like basically anything that he thought was interesting to make a comment on really had an impression on me. And he, he, there's one episode on poltergeists and telekinesis and he's like, 
he there's one point where he says something like he's he's um he can't get over the fact that there's so many poltergeist reports where there's like adolescent children involved basically yes like kids going through puberty and stuff mm -hmm. and like and, and mm -hmm. which is kind of what one of the things that greg talks about a little bit in this episode you know what I exactly mean? yeah exactly um, and yeah, I mean, that, that really kind of is a liminal state mm -hmm. in many ways. You're between childhood and adulthood. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's, that is interesting. And I, I, I liked something that Connor said at one point, he goes, when something solid is gained, meaning something stable, like a stable situation, yeah. the high strangeness tends not to follow those people. Right. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I would recommend, uh, Trickster and the Paranormal as something to check out because mm -hmm. it really is um illuminating mm -hmm. for lack of a better term um and and then <laughs> i tell you man this episode i feel like it it has a lot of big points that kind of like play out um further down mm -hmm. so it turns out that in february of 2019 uh greg dana and tyler go back to the train tunnel mm -hmm. back to the, the the cave where they found the tin can with the intent of doing an estes method session there mm -hmm. and for i don't know i would still probably rank this as probably one of the three most amazing estes sessions i've ever witnessed oh, yeah. in my life for a long time it was number one mm -hmm. hands down um the like if you're a museum member and you watch this entire live stream it's it's insane mm -hmm. it is it's it's like almost genuine conversation between them and whatever they've contact. Yeah. Um, so we see Greg putting this kind of symbol on the, the wooden beams mm. that are, at least I think they're wooden, maybe they're stone. I'm not sure. Um, and it looks kind of like a three toed footprint. Okay. Right. It's a rune. It's a rune called Algiz. Okay. A L G I Z. Um, and I did just a quick, a quick search on it. Um, it is the rune of the essential link or connection with the patterns of divine or archetypal conscious. Oh, goodness. Yes. Huh. Right? Speak about, you know, fancy $5 words. Um, and, I mean, how, how, how do I even try to sum up this session? I mean, honestly, if, I mean, I would pay, I would, right now, I would pay $100 if I could listen to an audio recording of what Dana was hearing the spirit box. Cause honestly yeah. that you're totally right. It was as if they were having a complete conversation and um, for viewers that haven't seen this episode, first of all, go see it. Second of all, yes. <laughs> um, it, 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 she has a conversation where you, or at least I am left with the impression, I guess others are left with an impression that they're getting instructions from somewhere beyond, from some entity, instructing them to almost like make a device that would play musical tone. Yes. For some unknown purpose. But it, it talks about like... Um, uh, like star sound, not star sounds, but what, what no, are some star of sounds, yeah, no star, star sounds. No, star sounds is one of the things that, that, that comes up. Say, yeah. Um, yeah. So she starts hearing this bing, 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 bing. Right. That's right. Which, you know, part of me goes NBC. <laughs> and it's like, huh. Okay. But then a part of me also goes, oh, 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 green giant. Oh yeah. Totally. Uh, and, um, you know, but, but that's, that's also kind of the funny thing. Yeah. Right? Green giant? He was Green Man. He was literally, man. A, literally a green man, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. exactly. And and those commercials, yeah. you know, you've got this green giant, this green man, and you've got these three tones as part of the commercial. I didn't think like, about that, but that's true. Oh, 
Yeah, that was that was actually like way back when that that was one of those first things that occurred to me is like, mm. oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even sure if Green Giant's around anymore as a brand. Oh, it's um, I I, I mean so. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so yeah, and it literally like whatever she's channeling is is like you know say it again, repeat it, right, right. And Greg and Tyler repeat it back, and they're like, and it and her response that she's pulling yeah. through or that's pushing through or yeah. I'm not sure which is like good yeah you got it yeah you know and it yeah. was like holy crap yeah um but it's like you know yeah she she's like I, I've got the sense that we're supposed to build something yeah and and play these sounds somewhere and it's like well where do you want us to play the sounds yeah in the space between mm-hmm. now Okay, great. In the space between what? You know, it's, 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 it, it's again, there's a little bit of that, you know, I think back to Robert Short and mm-hmm. that kind of like channeling. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, there's a trickster element to it. It's like they'll give you so much information and then they won't give you anymore. And you've got to figure out that next step. Mm-hmm. You've got to make that intuitive leap. Yeah. Um, but as part of this whole thing, right, we get don't trust Doug. Oh, that, that killed me. That killed me. Right? That was so and at, creepy. At this point in everything, right, Doug's already come up in the Amy email. Right. Right? I mean, Doug's basically um, the guy that recommended that Amy, poor Amy, who's like locked up in county jail, email Greg in the first place. Right. He's so, sort of like, I don't want to say the puppet master pulling the strings, but sort of. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now last month we talked about cipher hits that Doug equals, which is kind of crazy because it's like Ohio loki pan right hades um some really like insane rich hits mm-hmm. uh, but then we also get um what you know or like don't trust jack or dale mm-hmm. so these other two mm-hmm. name um now if you're familiar at all with recent museum live streams if you're a member and you're listening to this hi there um there is a character named jack who has popped up oh really yes okay. um haven't really had a dale yet but i just thought real quick like well let's let's do some cypher hits mm-hmm. on um jack and dale and i've got to scroll down to it just for a second here here we go okay so jack equals 39 okay right let's note that that's the inverse of 93 mm-hmm. um so we have stuff like follow leads orb um you y-o-u mm-hmm. you 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 equal Jack, okay. Awake, fools, wave, um, Dale equals 34. Okay. Now, I find it interesting that there is a difference of five between the two names. Well, five, like what letter equals five in the cipher? It's the letter S. Mm, okay. Use the number S in the Terry uh, wrist email. Instead of use the numbers, all this one word, use the number S. Mm. Number five, maybe. I don't know. Um, so we have for Dale equaling 34, we have fool singular, mm-hmm. right? Because Jack is fools. We have fool singular. We have oh lord. Mm-hmm. We have wild. We have lead, a sword. Uh, Dale also equals all gods. Hmm. <laughs> um, Dale, not surprisingly, also equals deal. Same letters, different organization. Um, and the word two, T W O. Okay. So something to think about. Um, but again, those two guys don't really factor into things very much at this point. Mm. Um, so suffice it to say, the, the, the 
the tunnel live stream um, and and the tones um, and the fact that they're like it takes three mm. right um, whether it's three notes three of them three instruments who knows um, there's definitely something to this mm-hmm. um, and I completely agree mm-hmm. I would I, w- I would have loved to hear a recording literally of oh, what yeah. was oh I mean to to, to just hear just to hear the bing 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 yeah just to actually hear the the the, the source of it you know that would be uh interesting and awesome um so in this episode we also um get introduced to a guy named vaughn oh th- this is this was not only my favorite part of episode 11 it might be my favorite part of all of season two wow honestly. yeah okay it okay. just it really got to me uh, but but go ahead. I started. Uh, no 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 no. Please interrupt. That that's that's what we're here for. Oh. Um, so Vaughn emailed them, being like, "Hey, I knew Terry Riss." Right, right. I mean, I I, I presume uh, if I understand correctly, after season one drops, you know, all sorts of people come start coming out of the woodwork. They start getting things like people making Facebook pages claiming to be um, like Terry or David. You yes. know, you know, basically people, I don't want to say like con men, but, you know, people just trying to prank them, I guess, you know, either prank them or they, they, they want to, they want they to see, they see that this is something special and they, they, they wish they were a part of it. Like, and this is how they manifest. Like that. they, in, they want to inject themselves into the investigation. Sort of Correct. Thing, you know? Correct. Um, and apparently there's a guy named Vaughn or, or at least they call him Vaughn. I, I ever I never know about these things because I know in the credits for each episode they, there's a little disclaimer that says sometimes they change the names of places and people and locations to protect their anonymity. I mean, yep. let's just call him Vaughn. That's what they call him in the episode. He's a gentleman, I believe a seven gentleman, judging from the accent, who yep. basically as far as I can tell, watched season one and kind of freaked out because he had to email Greg and say basically, hey, I met a guy back in the 90s that went by the name Terry Wrist that sounds exactly like the guy you're talking about. Mm-hmm. He talks about how um, there's people from that kind of part of the country, Tennessee, Kentucky area, that had that last... He pronounces it um, Reist, I think. Yeah. Reist, which is interesting. Um, and he goes and lays out this whole story about how he met a gentleman back in the 1990s who... Jeez, where to begin? Um, went by the name <laughs> Terry Wrist was a Vietnam veteran and yep. um, during the war was, you know, a sapper. He worked as a tunnel rat, you know, going into underground tunnels and caves fighting uh, the Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. Um, claims that when he was down there in the tunnels, he would uh, encounter weird spider-like creatures and cryptids, you know, which, I mean, right then and there, that takes us back to season one where you're allegedly finding weird creatures and tunnels you know what i mean right right um he talks about how terry wrist was sort of a um how do i describe it maybe a sort of anti-government sort of paranoid conspiracy theory gun fellow who traveled the gun show circuit selling extremist literature and would do like firearms demos at like compounds where kind of like weird militia types would live up in the boonies that kind of stuff yeah like one of the one of the names that uh vaughn mentions is a a guy named nord davis okay yeah and so so i instantly go okay well if you're giving me a name if you're giving me a place if you're giving me something 
I can at least do a simple search and go, okay, is this a real name? Mm -hmm. Was this a real person? Is there something I can do to kind of align the story that I'm hearing with some sort of fact checking? And yeah, Nord Davis was totally a real person. Really? Um, yep. Um, and I, I, I tossed a, a link in our show notes just to kind of, you know, um, uh, give us something to read. And he definitely was an anti-government extremist uh, in the Appalachian. Um, and yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of that, you know, whether it is uh, right wing extremist, whether it's anti-government, whether it's anarchist, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's a whole what myriad of different types that mm -hmm. you'll come across, I guess, at your average gun show in like the, the 80s and 90s, um, probably even more so today. Hmm. Uh, but that might just be my own projecting. I've never been to a gun show. Well, that's the thing I was going to say. I don't, I'm not a gun person. I've never owned a gun. I don't shoot guns, but I do live right next to the state fairgrounds up here in Sacramento. They hold occasional gun shows. And about 10 years ago, I went to check one out. It was my first gun show. It's my last ever gun show. <laughs> um, and there's, there was definitely a sketchy area way in the back with tables selling extremist literature um, and pamphlets, which totally gave me a creepy feeling. And it was the exact same creepy feeling when I saw the bond. Um, so, so what you're saying is you may have actually crossed paths with Terry Wrist. Well, I don't about that but um i mean definitely people in that milieu i guess um yeah and, and and i think you know whether or not we believe on or or whether or not um Vaughn is telling the truth um i mean I, I i definitely feel that like tyler said it best when this he said that the way that he described terry wrist it was almost like a puzzle piece that fit and 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 what i mean by that is you know I mean, this whole Hellier thing started out with the idea of cave goblins. Mm -hmm. And in order to find the cave goblins, you have to find um, um, David. And um, in order to find David, you have to find Terry. And in order to find Terry, you have to find somebody that knows Terry. I mean, Greenfield knew yep. Terry, you know? Yep. And yep. Vaughn claims to have met Terry. So it's almost like as close as we've gotten. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I know. I, I totally get it. And I, I totally agree. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that like, I, I, I watched the interview and it's like, you know, cause you ask, do we believe him? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I believe that Vaughn believes mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I feel like, I feel like the Terry we have described by Vaughn is a little different than the Terry we, you know, read about in the secret cipher mm. now whether that's accurate or not i'm i i'm not 100 sure because i i realize that i could be reading those interviews and putting like my own spin mm -hmm. on him as more of a say a cryptographer mm. um than say somebody who's a little bit more of an anti-government extremist right um so i i'm kind of just taking that with a grain of salt mm -hmm. as it were um you know i i definitely i think it's hard not to go well that's definitely a pseudonym regardless because mm. you and i have both done um some different types of searching to try and find oh you know, yeah does this name really appear anywhere else well yeah i mean that's i mean one of the interesting things about the vaughn interview i mean not only does he say that terry wrist was a vietnam vet but that 
he actually went by that name. It wasn't just like a made up name that Greenfield made up. So right, right then and there, it's like there's a couple things I could work with. I mean, if you go to the website of the National Archives, you can do a, a name search in a database that's it's called Records of Medals, Awards, and Decorations from the Vietnam Conflict. Unfortunately, there, nothing came up with that surname. You know, I was kind of hoping. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, there is a limited amount of information one could request on veterans if you're not a family member. It's mm-hmm. really basic stuff like name, uh, branch of service, um, rank. But, I mean, one of the things they will give you, uh, just anybody really, is a, if there's a photograph of the person. So, I mean, mm. hypothetically, let's say Terry Risk was a real person. He really went by that name and he really did serve in Vietnam. I mean, it might be possible to get a photo of what he looked like from back then from the National Archives. Yeah. And you could potentially show that to people and say, hey, have you recognized this guy? You know, I mean, it's not going to tell you where he is today or if, he, if he's even the right guy we're looking for, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, right, right. Um, I mean, it was at least something I could dig into a little bit, I guess, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's kind of a, you know, when I when I listen to the Vaughn interview mm. and, I, and I hear his voice, it's kind of funny. It struck me since I've been back in the office a few days a week um there is a honestly a rather large guy who Mm. is in the office next to me and i i mean he's very tall Mm -hmm. um and but he has a very soft voice Mm. and i don't know you know my office was built in the 80s the walls are actually really kind of thin so if he's on the phone i can hear him on the phone um but he Without the accent being as strong, his voice is as soft as Vaughn's. Oh, you, you work with Vaughn? So every, yeah, every <laughs> time I hear this guy next to me talk, and I'm like, I just think about the Vaughn interview, and I was like, oh boy. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. But but when I think about, you know, because it's, it's, there is part of me that I, I, I like that mystery, I like that puzzle, I like that, that research mm. aspect of like, okay, what can we find? What is out there? There's got to be something out there. It's like if Terry was selling pamphlets, um, or even if he was writing pamphlets, I mean, I'm sure he's, he's had to, you know, I don't know. Like if he's out there, I'm not, if he really had these kind of like anti-government views, right? Mm. Right. He, he shows Vaughn his driver's license. He's like, yeah, look, I pulled one over on the government. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I can't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't see him sitting there selling other people's points of view. Oh, so you're thinking maybe he's writing his own pamphlets and selling his own pamphlets. I, I mean, yeah, maybe. very, very possibly. Yeah. You know, and it's, I, I get it. That is very ephemeral stuff. You know, any any sort of paper product is very ephemeral, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 there. Um, you have it maybe after a month. You don't want it anymore. It gets mm-hmm. tossed out. Gets recycled. Mm-hmm. You know. So a lot of that stuff, even though a lot of it may have been printed at one time, not as much. And the further you go in time, not as much exists anymore, mm-hmm. right? And if nothing else, paper degrades. Simple as that. But my hope. My, uh, my, my dream is that, is that something, some evidence of that, something hopefully Mm. that he wrote or something that he sold, right? You know, if he really was doing that may still exist somewhere. Yeah. Cause you figure, assuming he's a real dude, um, you figure somehow he met up with Greenfield, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like there must've been, you know, a community of people that they, met through or something like that i don't know right and Um, and and we even 
and I mean, granted, we're jumping a little bit ahead to the next episode. You know, Greenfield, I, I think, was very politically active, especially, you know, in like the like the 60s through the 80s, maybe even into the 90s. So there's I think there is ample space for for them to cross paths. And I think Greenfield also well, I'm probably wrong, but I think he's also a Vietnam vet. Maybe. Um, I don't believe oh, really? he fought. Okay. I I'm. Don't quote me on it. I just, I don't think he did, actually. Oh, okay. Well. Um, take that for what you will. Okay. But anyway, um, it was a great segment. I thought it was very compelling. Yeah. He seemed trustworthy. He seemed scared, you know? He oh, yeah. And they even say that, like, you know, by the time he got, you know, kind of done with the interview, he basically spooked himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but at one point, and I, they'll let this be like the last thing on the Vaughn interview. Greg goes, did they ever use the term slough? Oh yeah. And if, and if you watch Vaughn, it's like he grins mm-hmm. almost like, and it's, it, it's just something about that grin just strikes me as odd. Like he was expecting it. Mm. And he goes, yes, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, mm, what am I reading too much into that reaction? Mm-hmm. You know, because I don't know. I mean, maybe I would have been like the person to be like, holy smokes, how did you hear that word? Like, nobody uses that word. Mm-hmm. I would have had a much different reaction. Mm, okay. Other than just sly grin. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It is tough to say. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so the only place to go from there is Luke meeting Yoda. <laughs> right. I don't know how else to describe that's, it. That's a good way to put it. We we go into the next episode, the trickster. They go and meet and talk at length with Greenfield. Right after all of this, after all of these episodes, they're finally sitting down and talking and interviewing someone who really does exist, who really has <laughs> a a link to Terry Wrist and the David emails and the you know cave goblins albeit in a very you know it's a very slender thread that leads from one end to the other you know but 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 he's a real guy he really did write this book he really did talk about a guy named terry wrist in the book you know so um and it's great I, i i think that if they hadn't had a sit down interview in season two that would have probably been my biggest complaint about it. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it. Because you have to go to the source. You have to talk to the guy who sort of holds all the cards. There's some people, there is even some members of the crew who thought that terrorist really never does exist, and it's all Greenfield. And Greenfield right. was the person sending the emails in the first place to try to either do a magic ritual or, you know, sell more copies of an old book he wrote years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. And for, for what it's worth, like, Full disclosure, I, I am friends with Greenfield's publisher, Olaf Phillips. Mm. Um, and and he, for a long time, Olaf was not aware of Hellier. Oh, this is a funny story, yeah. This is, and I love telling this story. And I was like, and I, I finally just, I think, around about the same time that I think I got you turned on to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was mentioning, like, dude, have you, have you seen this? And he's like, no, what the heck is it? Mm-hmm. I'm like... How have you not seen this? So I, I get him. I'm like, and I and I and I tell everyone. I said, look, just watch the first two episodes. Uh-huh. If it hooks you, awesome, keep going. Uh-huh. If you watch it and go, eh, I don't get it. Uh-huh. Don't worry about it. High train. Uh-huh. Um, and so he watches, and he just he just burns through the first season, uh-huh. just binges it straight through, and 
he calls me up and he's like, dude, now I know why the secret cipher has been selling so well lately. <laughs> right. It's like this nothing book all of a sudden gets to be his like number one seller or whatever, you know? He's like, you know, we'd be doing like, you know, five copies a month or something on Amazon. All of a sudden we're doing like 25, 30 copies a month. And he's like, Mike, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, totally. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's people watching this and buying their own copies of it. And he's like, holy crap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that that's a great story. That is, yeah. Which also means I'm technically one degree removed from Alan Reedfield, so I'm not complaining there. Yeah, you're right. But he also follows me on Twitter, so maybe it's zero degrees. Oh, you're um, serious? Yeah, that yeah. Great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they 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 drive to uh, Atlanta. They meet with him, mm-hmm. um, and so this is this is June of 2019. Are they in a hotel? It almost looked like an assisted living facility or something. I don't know um, what I was I, seeing there. I, I I think he actually does uh, live in kind of like a, I don't know. Like a retirement community. Or... Yeah, kind of yeah. like that. Uh, but they're staying at a hotel because okay. they obviously, they live in Cincinnati or Colorado. So it's, right, right. you know, they're staying somewhere. Um, and um, for, for whatever reason, they don't think to set the alarm clock. Oh, that, behind that, him so the clock is constantly that was, flashing that was like the funniest part. that was the weirdest thing yeah it really is and there are so many people who are like oh my god this this means something look at the numbers that are behind him when he's and and it's literally like like they're like no we we just for whatever reason we didn't think to actually set the time so it's just constantly flashing but at the same time it does create this kind of randomness mm-hmm. um because I, and I, and at one point I, I forget now i should have noted what he was saying but at one point it, the clock was flashing 333 mm. And he was saying something kind of important, and I was like, okay, maybe there is a little something weird to that. Mm. Um, but again, st- sticking with the Terry thing for a little bit, he mm-hmm. says he's about 75 years old. So, yeah, born about 1944. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's definitely a pseudonym. Mm. Uh, and and then, I mean, we're not going to do this interview just. You know, hopefully, as you're listening to this, you've already seen this episode. Mm-hmm. If not, Go see this episode Um, because it is so um, it's so rich. You know, he talks about the number 93 being a very rich yield uh, with with the fact that Hellier equals 93 um, and a number of the other thing Uh that also equal 93 and it being a rich yield. Um, This entire interview is a really rich yield. Mm. Um, in fact, I tell you what, I, we've got just a little bit of kind of Greg breaking down the whole number 93 mm. bit. So why don't we, why don't we listen to that real quick? Yeah. So according to Greenfield, the number 93 is what Hellier equals out to. And to him, that seemed extremely significant. Uh, he typically takes funny names. He says funny names and he runs them through the cipher. So those can be names of weird towns, uh, alien contactee names, things like that. So the first thing he does, he throws Hellier into the cipher, and he gets the value of 93. Immediately, that makes him perk up, uh, because he was a, a Thelemite. And Thelemites, uh, following the work of Aleister Crowley, uh, the number 93 is a sacred number to them. It means both love and will, two things that are very important in Crowley's system. He says that the, the name Hellier uh, equals out to like words like Babylon and Christ, Christ stuck out to me immediately because David Christie is the name of the guy who experienced the goblins. Greenfield said Hellier was an extremely rich yield. So yeah, 
93, yeah. really rich yield, really meaningful number uh, uh, to thelemites. Um, and I don't know, you've got a question in here in our notes where he goes, how do we understand the third order? Individuals who achieve enlightenment but remain in this world? Yeah, I mean, it sounded like Greenfield was, I mean, there's one point where Greg's like, who do you think is content? And Greenfield's ah, like, yes. I think it's members of the third order. And then he tries to explain what this is. And it's not sort of like some sort of mystical secret cult organization. It's literally like individuals or entities that the way he best describes it is, and caveat here, people, I really don't have a, any sort of real understanding of Buddhism or Buddhist faith. But if I, if I can understand, if I understand correctly, if a person gets to a certain point of enlightenment, they stop reincarnating on earth and they, they reach Buddhahood and they mm -hmm. maybe merge with the infinite. And he's basically saying that there are individuals or entities or some intelligences that they reach that stage, but they decide to stay earthbound. Um, yeah. And, and I think, I think at one point, and I forget who says this, it kind of, kind of acts as like earth representatives to, I don't know, to the ultra terrestrials, yeah. uh, to, to, to the space beings mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for, for lack of a better term or to make myself sound like a 1950s contactee case. I'm not sure which, <laughs> um, so yeah. And, and one of the terms that, that, greenfield uses is ascended master mm, okay. um and that that term depending on some of the research you you do um can take you toward a, like a really kind of messy shammy kind of shyster thing called the i am movement uh -huh. um and i'm not going to dive into what that is that that's a whole other you know bucket of worms um but i do highly recommend going and finding a podcast called the nonsense bazaar and they have done many many episodes about them and that would do a much better job than i would do trying to describe it do i think they're necessarily the same thing i don't i don't i think it's just the term is reused here without any sort of connecting connotations mm, okay. um but you bring up the fact that that you know kind of greg asks you know who do you think is behind it mm -hmm. and of course alan's response is uh what is probably yeah. the better question yeah. and it's like oh yeah 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 <laughs> um but he talks about this this whole experience everything that they're doing is being designed to bring people uh you know, who are into the weird, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, to a higher understanding of the nature of reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that gets really heady really quickly. You know, there's discussion of like the hero's journey, which I absolutely see throughout. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, if, if I, I can speak from experience, I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, having gone through all this stuff, having read some of the books I've done, having done some of the research I've done, having like even just reading like Saucers and Saucers, mm. uh, Greenfield's recent book, um, you know, that there is, I think, I think there is more to reality than what we see. I don't think there is necessarily an objective reality. Mm -hmm. Now, whether whether that means reality is conscious and we're just some giant things, synapses, I don't know. Um, but I, I definitely think that some aspect of this case is, yes, is, is meant to kind of bring everyone who connects with it to a greater understanding of the nature of reality. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. Greenfield says something um, that really caught my mind during this interview where he talks about how, you know, 
you may never fully solve the mystery of what you're investigating but if you're lucky you'll catch the poetry yes Um, it's very 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 well said it's very well said and that's almost how i feel like um these episodes of our show that we're doing because i feel like in some regard we're never going to be able to do hellier justice but hopefully our listeners will catch the poetry of it by what we talk about you know that's that's a nice way of looking at that yes um so um (laughs) what Mm, what son of a bitch what um okay so greenfield's discussion with them kind of turns toward um like like trying to contact terry Mm -hmm. trying to meet terry and i swear to god i greenfield is either just an off-the-cuff genius or he is on some level so tapped into things that he says something that has ramifications down the road what do you mean so like we'll talk about the whole like blue star thing and we'll talk about yeah. the whole things falling in your path here in a second. Yeah. But one of the things he says is that, you know, if you were to cross paths with Terry Wrist, you know, it would be like, you know, he'd be there pumping your gas in an outdated Sinclair uniform. Yeah, that was a good right? that was a great picture. Yeah. And and in Sinclair, for those of you guys who don't live near a Sinclair gas station like myself, um, it's it is a an oil company, gas company. They've got a dinosaur on it. And I have a note in our show notes that says Cypher Search Sinclair. And I went, oh, crap, I forgot to do that. Oh, you didn't do it. I totally forgot to do that. Well, so I, I, of course, open up the Mm -hmm. NA Query app on my phone just real quickly. Type it in there. Uh, Guess what it equals. What does it equal? Sinclair equals 93. Oh, no way. Are you serious? Dead serious. The only Sinclair station I think I've ever seen in my life, there's one on five when I drive down to Little Yes. Yeah. 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 That's 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 the one I know of. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. Sinclair also means 93. Now you had, or you, also equals 93, I'm sorry. You put something in the show notes that really piqued my interest about a, Den- oh. about a Denny's bathroom. Okay, okay, okay. Because this wasn't in the show. I, I no, don't know it, what we're it, talking it, about. It, it wasn't, and I'm, and I'm pretty confident Greg has talked about this publicly. Um, so I'm, I'm just a little nervous is it something he shared with you privately that you don't know no 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 not not shared with me privately i know it is something that he has shared i just can't remember if he like shared it out on twitter i think he did no but i'm almost confident he did because when it happened i think he was tweeting about it okay so i'm i'm not i'm not worried okay um so during covid yeah um he i think was on his way to a um, I think it was a film festival. Oh, okay. Um, where like I they submitted just the episode Night of Pan mm. um, to a couple of film festivals, um, and it did pretty well actually. Oh, cool. Good for you guys. So anyway, he is like on his way out of town, and he stops and he eats at a Denny's. Okay. And he goes into the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. Has to be. And as he's there, somebody else comes in, mm-hmm. goes to the urinal next to him. Mm. Now he says, and I. I'd be the same way. You know, you're not going to look at the guy next to you. You guys are there to pee. You're not going to check each other out. You know, and, and if you're the type who does. This is a family okay. show, man. Not, yeah, where not we judging. With this? Not judging. Starts whistling, that, whistling the hell your theme. Oh. Oh. And that's okay. it. And that's all and the that's guy it. did. That's all, that's, that's all the guy did. 
and and so. and and the way that Greg describes it, he's like the stream stopped instantly. He's <laughs> <laughs> like it clammed up, and um, yeah, wow. just was one of those things. You know, he finished up. This person finished up, left, oh. and and Greg was like shaking. He's like, I I what just happened? He's wow. like, holy, holy crap, was that Terry? She was. Don't cross because, the streams. Well, definitely don't cross the streams. Jeez. Um, unless you know the person really well, yeah. Uh, and there's there's consent there, uh, but yeah, um, that's crazy. The, it, it totally is, and and based on uh, Greenfield's description, you know the Sinclair uniform reference. The mm-hmm. like it's 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 going to be something just really low key, low key. Slip mm-hmm. in, be like, look here, I am. Mm-hmm. Boom, I'm gone again. Mm-hmm. That totally fits. Mm-hmm. Totally fits. So yeah, weird as flip. Yeah, but I mean it's very much, and I might be jumping ahead, um, but I mean there's there's definitely a part during the Greenfield interview where Greenfield's like, "Hey, talk to me off camera because you're gonna mm-hmm. get people coming out of the woodwork claiming to be Terry, and we need to. I'll tell you stuff that will like vet whoever's trying to contact yep. you, basically. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Which yep. Is, which is smart, I think. You know. Exactly. So presumably, Greg knows something that. If oh yeah, the real I have, out there would you know precisely yeah. yeah, and 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 I've 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 heard him tell tale of debunking fake Terry's, right? Um, you know, without providing information that you know only he would know, mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So yeah, I have I have no doubt that the team, in terms of information, has more than we see on screen, mm-hmm. and I'm fine with that. I am totally fine with that. Am I curious what it is? Hell yeah, I am. Oh my god, totally curious because I'm drawn into this, you know, whole mystery and everything. So anyway, but Greenfield definitely says a lot of stuff that kind of confirms what the team feels they've already found out, like the idea that the city Ashland is kind of where Incold's house was. Right. The time period that um, Greenfield thinks that Terry was, you know, busy doing that search kind of matches up with what they think the timeline is supposed to look like. So things are clicking. Things are falling into place, basically. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, um, you know, they, they share kind of some of their, like, their, their cipher uh, uh, work and their cipher mm-hmm. research. And he's like, that just, you know lends even more credence mm-hmm. to the fact that it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so one of the things that comes up, and it also comes up in the Secret Cipher, the Euphonauts, I was kind of flipping through that today, um, is kind of Sirius and Orion. Right. Yeah. In terms of not quite stars to stars, because Orion is a constellation. Yeah. I don't think there's a single star Orion, is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, should, I don't think so. I should know this. Um, I'm sorry. I'm keeping Seb up late tonight. Sorry. Um, no, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. But but he talks about Sirius. Sirius is a blue star. Sirius A, not Sirius B. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Oh man, I wonder if I still have that clip off to throw that in there. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's a blue star. It's a young star, mm. um, and but it's also the dog star. So one of the things that kind of comes up is that uh, the idea is that. Um, you know, one type of aliens are from Orion, the other type are from Sirius, and they're kind of antagonistic toward each other, Mm. right? So you can actually look at lots of UFO cases where dogs are harmed Mm -hmm. in some way. And and, and people make this connection between, oh, well, it must be this Orion, you know, Sirius, like red rag, blue rag beef, Mm -hmm. Um, like the alien bloods and crypts. Right. 
I don't know how you make the letters with the fingers when you only got four fingers, but that's a, a whole other matter. I'm not going to worry about that. Um, so, uh, so here's here's the mention of Blue Star, mm-hmm. right? And we get we get this reference, um, and so as part of this whole discussion. It, what comes up is like what what would be the third order's motivation for all of this mm-hmm. um and 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 greenfield does a really good job of describing it way better than i think i could paraphrase it so i'm literally just going to drop it in here right now okay an initiation is the following it is the creation of a crisis and the resolution of the crisis and the assimilation of that crisis resolution dialectic. What I, what I think very strongly is that if you continue to do what you're doing, things will fall in your path. And there you have the things will fall in your path comment. <laughs> yeah, within eight hours. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so, again, this is... I'm going to jump over this whole abduction experiment video and because yeah, after they have the interview, they decide to kind of drive home kind of through the Somerset area. It's like a little detour. Yeah. Like this is the part where my brain just kind of melted watching this because they're driving down this little tiny road. Like, I don't know if it's Hale bridge road or what, but it is a little one lane road. There is literally a tree perfectly fallen perpendicular to the road. Like, it couldn't be more perfect. Like, oh, somebody it, it, got a little hatchet, chopped down a tree. Seriously. Yeah. It's it's almost it's almost one of those things where it kind of looks too good to be true. You're like, yeah. no way. No yeah. way. Yeah. That's, like, what are the odds? Yeah. What are the odds? Never tell me the odds. Um, and so they get out. Like, oh, got to move it. And what's at the base of the tree but a blue mylar balloon yeah and that go ahead go ahead well i was was just gonna say the balloon thing is huge because for our listeners who might remember from last month's episode um there's uh an episode where you know these mysterious numbers that had been emailed to greg that look like gps coordinates tyler strand goes out there right yep Uh, goes out into rural north carolina exactly where it's supposed to be pinpoint precision and what's there but nothing but an old happy birthday balloon right so greg is having this interview with greenfield and he starts talking about how hey we went out to these gps coordinates all we found was in a balloon by the way i had a friend i was talking to one time oh right yeah 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 and the friend, maybe like the exact same day that Tyler was out there, maybe a, a day later or something. It was, yeah, it was a couple of days off. Uh, he's out in like LA or something, maybe mm-hmm. uh, very far away. Yeah, and yeah, it's he, in Southern California. Right, and he's like um, going on a hike or something like that. Um, and he's walking around, and all of a sudden there's this random balloon floating around by him. It's almost like that old French movie, The Red Balloon, like it's like trailing him or something. He films right. it with his smartphone, and then he writes a note in his journal, and he's like, you know, got to ask Greg what is the significance of the balloon, right? So anyway, Greg's telling his friend this weird uh, GPS balloon story. The friend starts freaking out and is all like, wait a second, I had a weird balloon experience almost at the exact same time they relayed this information to greenfield in this weird hotel room or whatever greenfield goes apeshit he's like yeah. 
he's like, this is this is huge. You know what I mean? This like weird little throwaway coincidence for him has huge significance. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And here they are, eight hours later, driving down a road. A tree literally has fallen in their path. They have to stop it. They have to get out. And what do they find? A balloon. It's like, yeah. what are the odds? And the balloon, it's a blue balloon in a star shape. So it's like a blue star balloon. Yeah, and they literally, like, they figured out, like, later, like, like Connor unfolds it. He's like, hey, it's, a, it's a star. Yeah. It's a star shape. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, what are the odds? You know, it's crazy. It's astronomical. Yeah. It yeah. is absolutely astronomical. Yeah. In, 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 in that order of things, again, either, either Greenfield is just a coincidental genius, and these things just happen to come up, or... Like, again, it really is. It's it's something higher and greater who can see the slices of time, you know, going, oh, yeah, he mentioned that. You know what? I know they're going to be down here later. Let me just dip that over and let me just pop that right there for them. It's almost like Greenfield. I think at Greenfield at one point talks about how, um, like, if you have a lot of these weird experiences or coincidences or synchronicities, that's like the phenomenon telling you you're on the right path. You know right. what I mean? Like yes. when, you'd, when you were a kid and you'd play like, oh, you're getting hotter or you're getting colder, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of, you know what I mean? Yep, yep. Yeah. Yep, it's totally a hot and cold thing. It's And it, and he says, he's like, it's, what do you get with a happy birthday balloon? You get yeah. a present. Yeah, you get a gift. Yeah. This this is a gift. Yeah. You know, this is, pay attention to this. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it is, it really is one of those things where when you watch this, you're, you're just like, because he gets so he gets so excited and animated it's really compelling yeah oh my god yeah and not only that but like like they get out of the car to go move this and there's some sort of like sound or growl or something off in the woods there's like a creepy noise they hear it's like there's a very creepy noise um and of course it's it's a little tough to hear between kind of like the environmental you know the atmosphere Mm -hmm. music and the fact that the car is running right um, but yeah, very, very strange experience. But before we move past that, mm-hmm. one of the things they talk about with Greenfield is, is the, um, um, the fact that Terry said, why did you stop when you're so close? And they thought, well, maybe that means this kind of abduction experiment that we did back in 2012. Mm-hmm. And so they, they show Greenfield the video mm-hmm. it's it, the, it, and it, it sounds like the the timestamp that you see on there is not just for not just for looks. It really was about a twenty twenty five minute experience um, where they basically um, use hypnosis to put their friend Jason under and basically kind of um, what without without leading it too far, right? Because you don't want to kind of you know lead the experiencer. You want the experiencer to have the experience themselves. Give him the experience of having been abducted by aliens. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to... There's a couple of things i got to say about this part of episode please, 12. Please, please. So let me back up. So obviously there are and have been lots of reports of people who claim to have been you know, abducted by aliens onto a UFO and little creepy gray dudes and maybe they mess with the person and it's really scary. And a lot of these folks, or maybe they maybe they remember, they, maybe they have recall of the events, but a lot of these folks, they, they tend to remember or better remember these experiences after they've gone through sort of hypnosis or you know, uh, experience to try to kind of bring these memories back depths of their psyche. Yeah, like that. yeah. So Greg, if I understand 
understand correctly, and that's a big if, um, Greg, <laughs> his, his theory is that, you know, okay, maybe abductions are real, but maybe on the other hand, maybe there's a non-physical element to alien abduction stories. Maybe a person can be abducted by aliens, but it's not necessarily a physical thing, like your body is actually physically going somewhere, but it's more like your consciousness. Right, right. You're, so, you're on it. So what they did, I think, back in 2012 was they conducted an experiment where they took a friend, they took a hypnotist, and what they did was the friend basically is a person who never have claimed to have been abducted, doesn't necessarily believe in aliens or UFOs. Yep. The hypnotist hypnotizes him, and basically um, the only thing that the hypnotist basically does is says, hey, you know, you're you're in like a, a field or a street or something, and you see a bright light, mm -hmm. and and and. And he doesn't say anything more, and the, the guy who's under hypnosis starts um, describing things that sound like an abduction spirit. Oh, yeah. And, and, and just the description alone, it's like, you know, it's, it's on an X-Files level of creepiness because, you know, almost less detail is more. You know, it's talking about yeah. seeing shadows behind, like, behind, like, a, a translucent wall. Right. And, and that kind of stuff. And, of course, you know, what I'm filling in in my head is like, oh, okay, I'm really creeped out right now. It's definitely creepy. It's definitely brilliant, in my opinion, because on one hand... I guess what they're trying to say is that, you know, you can put your mind or your consciousness into a state where you can be abducted, even if your body isn't going anywhere. Right. My, I don't know if problem is the right word, but my problem is maybe this segment of the episode wasn't introduced in a way that was totally clear to me. So for me, when I was watching it, it really felt like filler material. And I hate saying that because I no, didn't I say anything bad about Hellier. But it, it's just, it felt like... I mean, it felt like you could have cut that out and the episode still would have been fine. So I just was like, why are they talking about this again? I just missed something. Or no, no, you're, 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 I think you're totally on board with that. Cause I, I, I think like my first one or two times kind of watching it, I'm like, it feels like it's just kind of shoved yeah, into it. It's it, like, it, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, kind of understanding it in the context of like, okay, they were talking about the email. Yeah. You know, why did you stop when you were so close and going, okay, well, what were we doing around the time that we got that email? Well, we were trying to do this. Mm -hmm. And so they basically, they show it to Greenfield. I, Jason, the guy who goes under, yeah. you know, he's had four days worth of experience. Oh, yeah. When it was like barely a half an hour. Yeah, that was, that was a trip. Yeah. Like, sure. and you see him come out and it's like, he just kind of can't process it for a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, you know, he kind of like, kind of asks Greenfield, Greg asks Greenfield, he's like, do you think it's a good idea? Mm. And he goes, I think it's a useful idea. <laughs> yeah. But also brings up kind of like the, the ethical ramification mm. of this because, mm. you know, that same kind of methodology in the hands of, say, an unscrupulous government, mm. you know, can, can be put to ill effect. You ask a question in the show notes. You say, you type, how, how do we feel about hypnosis? So mm -hmm. what, what do you, how do you answer that? I, I haven't experienced it myself. Okay. Right. I'll, 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 I'll put that out on the, on the table. Um, and I don't want to kind of crap on anybody's experience that they've had mm -hmm. with it. Um, again, it's, it's, it's that, you know, all of reality is subjective. If you've had an experience with hypnosis and it's been great and it's been positive and you've, you've 
you've gotten something from it. Yeah. That's great. Watching this, you know, um, um, Lonnie, the hypnotist, does this like handshake grab look at your hand thing that's just so like ninja fluid. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That I was like, wait, wh- what, what even is that? And mm. it's just, it's so like the person drops under so easily. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how like i don't i don't i don't feel like i myself with you know all the things that i have to deal with in a given day and you know trying to keep track of any number of things yeah i don't feel like i could be in that same situation and go okay yes i'm under you know and i know it maybe it doesn't work on everyone and that's fine i'm not saying i don't trust it Mm -hmm. by any means but i've i've never had an experience with it so i can't really relate yeah to it I I hear you, I hear what you're saying for sure. Um, I I'm, I'm the same way as you in the sense that I've never been hypnotized. You know, mm-hmm. I can't speak about it with firsthand knowledge, but I a hundred percent believe in it. I've seen it happen when I was in college. My freshman year college roommate, he and I went to an event right at the beginning of the year, and it was almost like a like a freshman orientation icebreaker and they had a big event in like the auditorium or whatever a lot of, okay. a lot of people there and they had like a um like a professional hypnotist as almost like like an entertainment act mm-hmm. and it was like and i'm sure there's lots of people out there who are hypnotists who you know oh i'd like a volunteer from the crowd please and it's actually like a plant like it's their you know right. co-worker or whatever right. you know mm-hmm. um but he asked for a volunteers and, and some of the students went up and one of them was the guy who was my freshman year college roommate and he hypnotized them and they did crazy stuff. And I guarantee you, I lived with this guy for a year. We slept in the same room for a year. He is not that good of an actor. It, <laughs> it was, at least in that instance, it was 100%. So I, Interesting. I, I'll stand to that by my dying day for sure. Um, huh. I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it works on everybody. I've read that it doesn't work on anybody. Maybe it works on certain people with certain personality traits. But, oh, yeah, I believe it. Interesting. Um, Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, one last thing I'll say about the whole, like, um, tree and balloon yeah. thing, right? I know we've previously talked about the idea of retrocausality, mm-hmm. right? The idea that an event in, say, the future is um so momentous so impactful that it causes a ripple backward in time Uh and influences you know like your own decision Uh (laughs) so in thinking about this i i half entertain the idea like is this an example of retro causality Uh is it is it a thing where they come across the tree and the balloon and it's such a big deal that it kind of echoes back in a way that it actually affects someone else, me and Greenfield, mm-hmm. that he says these phrases that then become meaningful when they encounter the fallen tree and the balloon. Mm, interesting. Okay. I have no idea. I'm, there's no way to test for that, but it's just one of those things because it is such a big deal. Huh. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but then we move on to uh, episode 13, The Secret Commonwealth. Mm, what an episode. Jeez. Yeah, this is... Um, I, feel like, I feel like my notes are a little light for this one, but there's still a lot that happens. Um, and there's some, some worthwhile conversations to be had about it. Obviously, one, Greg has like a Somerset super synchronicity. Oh, yeah, that was crazy. 
where it was just like Somerset, 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 by the way, Somerset, all kind of like popping up, just like boom, 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 yeah, back and forth. Um, but this is also the episode that introduces us to the book Rebirth of Pan. Oh, this, yeah, this part was great, I thought. Um, it is worth noting that apparently my dishwasher's done. <laughs> it's also worth noting, nice timing. Um, that the person who wrote it, right? It's it's attributed to, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember the pseudonym. Oh, um, um. Why am I spacing on it? Thank you, oh, dishwasher. Oh, yeah, um, uh, Jim Brandon is the, thank you. Is the thank fake thank name. You. Thank you. I kept on like George Hansen, like, <laughs> no, 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 that's trickster in the paranormal. Jim Brandon. Yeah, it's a it's a book uh, written published in 1983. Um, it's published under the the I mean, if you look at the book, it says you know author Jim Brandon, but it's a it's a pseudonym. It's really right. written by a guy named William M. N. Greenstad. Green, Grimstad. Excuse me, Grimstad. What a name. Um, and uh, it, it's I, I geek out on it because Greg starts talking about how apparently it's like a really it's a book that's fairly difficult to find. It's out of print. Mm-hmm. Um, he 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 talks. He starts talking about how. You can sort of, um, you know, you like in order to see a copy, you have to go to a library or something like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, somebody out there somewhere, I guess, scanned a copy and emailed it to him as a PDF or something like that. So, which is funny because I was able to find a PDF copy, I think, through archive.org. Oh, okay, cool. So it's out there. Um, yeah, so it is out there. You know, I've, I've certainly have read um, a good deal of it, but it is absolutely positively worth noting and worth mentioning um, that um, uh, Jim Brandon. Grimstad, however you want to look at him, um, he's pretty racist. Oh yeah, straight he's up. He's like, down like white supremacist. Yeah, like other books of. he's written are like Holocaust nine books. I mean, really, you know, horrible stuff. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Um, so and and there's actually a really 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 good Twitter thread. I will uh, try to make a point to link to in the show notes where Greg is like, "Hey, look, we weren't aware of this." Yeah. At the time when we filmed it, if we had known this, um, we we would have looked for other sources. Yeah, we 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 did not want to use this. We don't endorse, you know, kind of anything that he he purports in terms of his racist views. Um, and and I think it's safe to say that, that we feel much the same way. Um, but I didn't think it right to kind of like mention. Uh, this book and the information gleaned from it uh, in this episode without at least addressing that. Yeah, oh, sure. Um, But it is interesting, kind of like, you know, this is where Pan really kind of comes into uh, the forefront. I mean, yeah, because Greg basically, in this episode, goes on this, like, almost like five or ten minute tear, basically talking about how he he reads the whole book in, like, almost like one sitting. He's taking Mm -hmm. note after note because he just sees, you know... uh, example after example of things that are pertinent to the Hellier case, you know? Um, and he starts, starts talking about how, you know, there's different deities, you know, from different cultures and different time periods in different countries that yep. all kind of relate to one another. And this concept of Pan as being maybe um, what people in the past used, the, 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 the idea, it's what they called the phenomenon back then, I guess, you might say. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to ways. say it, you know? but it's, No, I get what you're saying. It, it is a it is it is there is a pan figure kind of cross-culturally 
Yeah. Um, and and way way back through history, um, like Osiris comes up, Al Qadir, which is an Islamic trickster prophet, Cernanos comes up. Um, this is also the book where we get the idea where Sirius comes in, and Orion and the bad aliens come from Orion, and the good ones come from Sirius. Um, and they they share some stories of you know kind of UFO cases where there are dogs harmed uh, in it. Um, Orion apparently uh, is associated with three toed footprint. Yeah, I mean it all relates back. It's the they, only... the the connections that are made in this segment to yeah. various other aspects of the case, and it all kind of like starts to pull together, and you're like, okay, this isn't just this isn't just a bunch of random gobbledygook. The, the only way I can describe how this episode and this part of this episode made me feel... I'm a really is a big, train horn. Is a train horn, right? Is it's, a train horn. It's, it's coming, folks. Yep. Um, it, it, I, 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 I have a soft spot for the 1991 Oliver Stone film JFK. Oh, okay. And there's this one part in the movie where, you know, um, Jim Garrison's trying to put together all the pieces of the conspiracy and he's trying to figure it out. And he gets he gets a he gets called by a mysterious guy in Washington and he flies out to Washington. Mysterious guy, mysterious guy used to work for like you know the government and he basically like explains the whole thing to him. He like he's the guy that pulls the curtain back and tells him like what's what and who's who and who did what and all the pe- and you you finally get to see the like the reality of it. And like for me, this part this part of this episode is so satisfying. Like the, as far as I'm concerned, they could have put this segment at the very end of the last episode, and that would have been like a really satisfying because it felt <laughs> like they were just like explaining everything. I don't know, you know. It 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 has that feel in a lot of yeah. ways. Um, you know, it, it, it's looking at how Christianity uh, kind of folds Pan's qualities into those of Satan. Um, even apparently, Aleister Crowley was invoking Pan in his effort to try and contact other world entities. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it. it it was, you know, barring the the realization after the fact that the author was such a pile of crap. Um, the information gleaned from it is really friggin' fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so they finally are at a point where they're going to make the plan to travel out to Somerset. Yeah. Um, I love that we kind of get a lot of Dana's ritual practices, kind of like pushing her energy out there. Um, kind of feeling like the area is a less tethered uh, area, she says, mm. feeling something ancient, uh, like it was hit with a tuning fork. Mm. And that, that kind of vibration I concept kind of comes into play here in a little bit, which I think was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the fact that they kind of, you know, build this little fairy altar Mm-hmm. at the cabin and 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 keep it um what supplied and 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 uh replenished with stuff mm. um yeah it's it's such a great kind of like an even bigger intention setting mm. than we have like greg doing at the beginning of the estes message session in in, in season one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it's like taking it to a whole nother level mm-hmm um, which I just, it's fantastic. Like, like in this, in these last three episodes, like Dana has some points where she just really, really shines mm. with her practice and her planning and her magic. It's just, I love it so much. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's the, her, it's like, that's her skill set she brings to the team for sure. Totally. Yeah. Totally. 
and and them going out to Somerset's great too because I mean when they went to Hellier, their base camp was essentially a, a, a gas station pizza parlor. But in in <laughs> Somerset, they have of all things a international paranormal museum and research center. So it's almost like boom, they have like a contact almost somebody they can yeah. talk to about this high strangeness and don't have to worry about getting laughed out the room. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. So they connect with Kyle Cadell, mm-hmm. um, and he's actually one half of kind of the uh, the mind behind the Penny Royal podcast, mm. um, which uh, uh, Nate, who they talk to next, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's kind of the big driving force behind that. If you've never listened to the Penny Royal podcast, highly. Highly, highly recommend it. That's interesting. I haven't yet, but I want to. Is it you, only about just craziness in Somerset? Or? Um, it it starts there, okay, and then reaches out. Mm, okay. Um, because what we kind of find out over over the course of like the next segment of this episode is that you know Nate is doing his own kind of research that kind of parallels what mm. the Hellier team is doing. And so they there's a lot of kind of common ground. In fact, I think it's, I want to say it's episode five of the first season of the Penny Royal podcast. Mm. They interview Greg. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on there. But what, what Nate is kind He's of... so good. Oh, He's so it, good. it really is. When I saw the trailer for season two, I was kind of like, who is this guy talking about mm. being on the tip of a gun? I'm like, yeah. what a crazy shirt, too. And, you know, just being like, I don't see how this fits in. But now that I see this episode, it's like, oh, oh, yeah. now we're kind of getting a whole new mm-hmm. avenue to kind of understand how this weirdness works. Um, so he's discovered that Somerset sits atop a huge quartz deposit mm-hmm. um, as well as a very large geomagnetic anomaly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other two ones, Sedona, Arizona, not surprisingly. Mm. And the, and the, and the third one is like up in Alaska. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and these are publicly available maps. Right. Um, right. I think it's, like I think NASA. it's NASA. Yeah. 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 Um, and so obviously quartz, quartz vibrate, mm-hmm. um, especially when a, when a voltage is applied to it. You see any watch where it says, you know, quartz on it, it's got a little crystal in there mm-hmm. that has a little, you know, vibration applied to it in order to keep time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So this resulting piezoelectric effect, uh, at least in terms of Somerset corresponds with high levels of paranormal experiences and also community mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I think he was saying, uh, he was uh, Eastern state. Uh, I'm just going to say sanatorium. I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the right word. I apologize, but like 70%, like 60 or 70% of everyone who's there, you know, comes from Pulaski County where Somerset is located. Right. Yeah. Right. And they flash back to, you know, the 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 cop in Ashland who is like, yeah, dude, the mental health issues here are out of control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you go into satanic panic and government conspiracies and mental health and all this paranormal stuff. And, you know, it's it's like it, it's all just kind of not so much drawn here like it's a magnet mm. but something about this uh geomagnetic magnetic 
quartz deposit stuff kind of generates it, kind of helps power it. Right. This was sort of like in season one, they definitely talk about how the natural um, geology of Kentucky relates to the case in so far that there's a lot of underground tunnels and caves that link up with one another. And, and, and this is almost like the season two of Cobra and the Bat. They're talking about how there's, you know, uh, natural things occurring in the geology, you know, uh, the geomatic magnetic earth fields or whatever. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, it's like they're both like touching each other. The points are touching each other in this one part of the earth's map, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and it's, again, you know, we, we come back to this idea of vibration and frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what else, of course, uses like magnetic frequencies? The God Helmet. Right. Which we right. talked about a couple episodes ago. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and just our brains. Our mm-hmm. brains are electrochemical things. So electromagnetic fields can mm-hmm. affect it. And not only that, but we have, again, the Schumann resonance Mm -hmm. where earth has its own natural vibration and the schumann resonance has a third order vibration to it kind of around the i think it's 21 megahertz okay range if i remember correctly um so again we've 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 got these different elements that all kind of fit together and all are related Mm -hmm. now nate recounts some pretty insane stories this like when i first saw the story of his wife, bless her, um, you know, coming out from having taken a shower and literally watching the thermostat on their things. wall. Of all things. Yeah. yeah. Like, why a thermostat? Who knows? Yeah. Why a duck? Mark's Brothers reference. Um, slide across the wall, drop down at an angle, yeah. and then shoot straight back up to where it, where it started, and everything does this kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah effect mm-hmm. not once but twice over a large period of time yeah. um i mean i don't know about you man but i, I lost my shit oh yeah and the, he talked about his how his wife like she's freaking out but she's freaking out because she's thinking she's like having a, like an aneurysm or something right. you know what i mean it's like what's right oh yeah. yeah like I, I don't know about you but i have never seen anything that weird me either. Um, I I don't even think I've got anything that would even come close to that. No. Not without being like, you know, hopped up on Benadryl as a kid, you know, when I'm sick. But that at least has an explanation. <laughs> so yeah, that that is weird. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so, yeah, you know, Greg brings up the fact that he's got these emails from Amy. Uh-huh. talking about the military and the cops and everybody kind of just being involved in this conspiracy and you know nate relates a lot of what you kind of hear about in the first season of uh penny Royal podcast uh you know stuff like the bluegrass conspiracy uh-huh. um there are some pretty high profile people who for whatever reason you know invest in things in somerset or buy large parcels of land out and, and it's uh-huh. just it's it's it is weird uh-huh. it it Penny Royal is a fantastic podcast. It's a great listen. Mm. Um, and it is a, a, you know, if you if you start with Hellier, it's a fantastic, like, companion thing to listen mm. to because it's very adjacent in a lot of ways. Okay. Not necessarily as paranormal, mm. um, but definitely a lot of weirdness. Okay. Um, and even some pan connections and stuff like that. Mm. So, again, highly recommend that. And then what I'm going to say is maybe the best cliffhanger... Mm. of like all of hellier mm-hmm. they're gonna talk to amy it's, it's amazing i mean amy's basically the season two version of david 
Right. And we never get to find David. We still don't know if he ever existed, whatever happened to him. But Amy, we do have Amy. She she is a captive audience, literally. I mean, yeah. we know where she is. <laughs> they know where she is. They right. get to have a, like, I guess it's a prison <laughs> Skype video call thing. Basically, yeah. On. I don't know if it's specifically Skype, but yeah, they basically have a a, um, a video call. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and I say, you know, it's a serious episode when there's no cold open. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. It just goes straight into the theme, mm-hmm. into the credits, and then there we are. Yeah. We're we're in the interview, and Seb, you tell me, gut reaction? Do we believe her? I mean, when they talk to her, she's obviously you know, in a lockup of some sort. So mm-hmm. it's not a um, space where maybe she, I mean, you hear people in the background, it's kind of noisy. Oh, you see people um, in the background. You see people in the background. So who knows to what extent she feels maybe comfortable talking or being as open about things as maybe she otherwise would have been if she, like in her house or something like that, um, had she not been locked up. Um, so for one thing, I mean, Greg, is you know very gracious and asked her a number of questions based on the emails that she sent him. Mm-hmm. Um, the emails were uh, very well written, very compellingly written. Um, she comes off as maybe like in some cases she's not directly answering the questions. Uh, she you know one big thing they talk about is the idea of the green. Yeah, and Greg is convinced that his reading of the emails, and I agree with this, the original emails, she's talking about, you know, quote-unquote Celtic or of mythology. Whereas now when they're having this video phone call, she's talking as if it's not the green man, but little green man, like little alien type, you know? Well, and it's, but it's, if you... If you go through all the emails and you listen to what they say, mm-hmm. it, it starts off as little green men. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the heart of your green man. Mm-hmm. And then now in the interview, it's back to basically back to goblins again. Yeah. And, and you know, he, Greg at one point is like, who is Doug? Why did, how does Doug know me? And she's very evasive. I mean, he, she says like Doug is an older man. He's known her for or she's known him for about 20 years, but mm-hmm. really she doesn't answer the question. You know what I mean? She just kind of goes off. Um, it, well, and that's, that, that's one thing that I really feel like if you ask me, do I believe her? I, I don't know because I don't feel like at any point she really answers Greg's questions, like at least right off the bat. Yeah. You know, um, she, uh, Greg asks a question and she replies with a question. Right. You know, and, and like the reasons that she gives for why she got those felonies, and it's a little inaccurate. You can actually Google up why she was arrested. Mm. Um, but I think, I think from her point of view, which I don't know if it is affected by any sort of chemical consumption, let's mm. say. Mm. Um, you know, maybe she sees it a certain way. And, you mm-hmm. know, again, that, that, that's fine. That that's her prerogative. That's her perspective. I'm I'm just impressed she even agreed to an interview. Yeah, I mean, you know, kudos for her. You know, because I think if they had, I think if they had gone whole all of season two without an Amy interview, it would have been another big hole for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I um, there's one part I I hate saying this. I hate what I'm about to say because I'm a bad but because she's obviously a person in crisis. She's literally locked up. Right. But she says something, and it's 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 an innocent flub. She doesn't intend it to be this way. Oh. But she says something, 
that I just died laughing. I did too. And, and I, I feel bad saying that because I don't want to laugh at a person in crisis. But at one point she's trying to explain how Somerset is just so weird. And she says, uh, I don't think Area 51 is in New Mexico. And I'm sure what she means by that is that she's saying Area 51 is, you know, the world's weirdest place. Well, no, Somerset's weirder than Area 51. But... God bless her, Amy. You're right. You're 100% yep. right. Area yep. 51 is in Nevada. It is not in New Mexico. <laughs> so, I don't know. That just... But it made me not... It's not like I'm making fun of her. It's like almost like I have sympathy for her, you know? No, 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 no. I, I, I totally get it. I um, totally get it. And yeah, she, she I, I, I take it that way, too, is that she's saying, look, Area 51 is a really weird place, you know, and, and we have that level of weirdness mm-hmm. here. Right. Um, but yes, also completely getting the state wrong. But hey, it's at least an N-lettered state. We'll give you that. Right. right. You know, half In credit. West, yeah. Half credit. Um, but yeah, there's there's times where, and I and I'm sure that you know this was edited. I'm sure you couldn't put the entire mm-hmm. interview in. Um, there are times where it feels like. Like, regardless of what Greg asks, that she would have just said what she said. I mean, I, 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 here's the thing. I don't feel like... You know how earlier in the episode we were talking about maybe some people wanting to inject themselves into the investigation, mm-hmm. but they really have no connection to it? Mm-hmm. I do not think that Amy is one of these people because I think the emails, the original emails, had such a connection to the things like the phrase euphonos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think, and I have no evidence for this, I think that Amy has... The, the fellow she knows as Doug, who she says is an older man... I I think honestly that that is the same person that Greenfield knows as Terry. Ray. I'm my gut is inclined to agree. Because because here's the thing, Amy says she's known Doug for 20 years. He's an older man. Mm-hmm. Greenfield says that Wrist was born about 1944, so he's mm-hmm. an older man. Yep. Amy's in Kentucky, so presumably. Doug's in Kentucky. Vaughn said during the Vaughn interview that Wrist was from Kentucky. Spirit Box says, don't trust Doug, you know? Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like Wrist or Doug or whatever he is or whoever he is, even maybe he's not even a human intelligence. He's some sort of ultra terrestrial or whatever. I think that he uses people as tools, either directly like Greenfield or indirectly, like trying to enlist Greg and Dana via the David emails or enlisting Amy under the name Doug. I think he's a puppet master. He's pulling the strings. I think he may have even written the emails for Amy to send because she didn't sound... I mean, she sounded more like... She sounded in the emails like a totally different person. You know, different vocabulary. Yeah. Um, I have no evidence for any of this, but it's honestly just what my gut's telling me, you know? No, I think I think that's fair because I I you know at, at times I I feel like you know we when we were talking about the emails Amy emails last month excuse me um, that it felt like you know she would just go on this kind of like you know paranoid kind of like right wingish kind of like tear and then like all of a sudden like a Terry influence would come through and they would uh-huh. be like slough uh, uh-huh. euphonauts. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. and it's 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 almost like um, uh, like some sort of just little psychic push, being like, okay, insert this word, insert uh-huh. this phrase, uh-huh. um, that kind of thing. So I, I totally get that, and I'm I'm totally inclined to agree with a lot of that. And I I would hope, I would hope, and I have nothing to say that they did, but I would hope that somewhere in that interview they asked her what Doug's last name is. Mm, right, right. And I I 
one, I hope they did that, and two, you know, I hope they were able to do something with that information. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there, there are things like that that I wish I knew. Like, for instance, in season one, they investigate the anomaly that is the, um, uh, oh, my mind just went blank, the, the, the um, IP address for the David emails in yes. Canada. Yeah. Like, at the same time, I it, that's interesting, but I wish they had told us something about the IP address for the risk email. Do you know what I mean? Um, where did those get sent from? You know, yeah. was it also Canada? Was it Kentucky? Who knows? Well, and and could that be figured out? And and can you trust it? Because at least maybe not as much in 2012, but nowadays it's a lot more common to use a VPN to yeah. square sure. you're yeah. sending from. So, but it's I mean it's worthwhile. And it's 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 interesting because, you know, again, we kind of like start winding down um, this interview. And, and one of the things that comes out of it is, is, you know, Greg's whole concept of things changing in a time activated way to steer them toward a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, the, the thing you come back to is the numbers. The numbers have been many things. And it's almost like depending on when when you're doing something with them. Mm-hmm. You know, their coordinates that get you pretty darn close to Brown Mountain. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it got you a, you know, a happy birthday balloon and a green man during this time. But at the same time, the numbers are something very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get to that here soon uh, because this may now turn out to be our longest episode it, it, ever. I think it might be, yeah. Um, um, but but anyway, down toward the end of the interview, it, it, it suddenly goes all shaver mystery again. Mm. You know, and, and, and Terry, from what I've read in Secret Cipher is big into Shaver Mystery. In fact, yeah. apparently borrowed Greenfield's Shaver Mystery research and never gave it back, according to Greenfield. Um, and so, again, it's one of those things you just you feel like there's this influence on Amy mm-hmm. to kind of make these connections, mm-hmm. to kind of draw the group in a certain direction. So we need to talk, and we'll see how, you know, quickly it comes up because there's a lot there's a lot in this episode we've got the amy interview carl gets a hypnosis session and then strand goes all sorts of weird in a frank's box estes method session <laughs> i almost i'm almost tempted to have like an episode four for failure, <laughs> you know mm. <laughs> i don't know i think after this month i'm really going to need a break yeah um we've already kind of decided you know hey for the rest of the year we're just going to do some really light topics yeah as a kind of a palate cleanser. So um, they bring Lonnie Scott back in. He's the one who mm-hmm. did the hypnosis session back in 2012 on Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put, they, they kind of have this discussion, like who would be the best person to kind of go under and, you know, be kind of objective. Maybe that's not the right word. Um, like, like Greg and Dana, they're already a little kind of like too deep on other experiences that they've had. So they're mm-hmm. like, um, how about Carl? You know, so Carl decides to go under in hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And it is a very interesting experience. Um, it's not set up in the, necessarily in the same way of like, hey, you see this light in the distance and you have no idea what it is. Mm. Um, but it, what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring back some sort of actionable content, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. So here's, here's kind of the highlights of what we get from Carl's hypnosis session. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact that I really, really want the uh, the little starburst clock that was on the wall in the background. <laughs> nice mid-century clock. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I took notes, there's a gateway 
in Hellier to right. other places. It's not open. They're supposed to open it so, quote unquote, they can come out. Right. <laughs> um, Somerset is a place on the fringes of the places in between, right? So, you know, Dana was kind of feeling like it's an untethered right. place. It's kind of a place on the fringes and go back to the bing, bing, bing live stream, uh-huh. right? You need, where do you need to play the tones in the place in between? Uh-huh. Right? So it's kind of like, okay, we're in the right place. Uh-huh. So they start asking about injured cold uh-huh. and you hear it. There's footsteps upstairs. Yeah. Right. Which is just weird. It kind of camera kind of goes between everyone and they're like, oh my God, but pointing upstairs and mouthing stuff so they don't interrupt or anything. Um, and, and, and part of this, it's, it's not like an Estes session. It's, it's literally, you know, Lonnie having Carl ask like his guides or look in a book. I think it was huh. right. He's like getting this information this way. What happened to David Christie? They keep saying he's dead. Uh-huh. Now that I actually find kind of interesting because you found David Christie who lived over a hundred years ago. Yeah. Louisville. Who would obviously be dead. He'd obviously be dead. Right. So now here's the interesting, here's, here's the one that I, I thought was really interesting. What are the goblin? Uh-huh. They're gatekeepers. Uh-huh. They're a, byproduct of the gates existing right and apparently they have to be summoned with bread yeah that was interesting i'm like huh okay <clears throat> that kind of has some some uh fairy implication there <laughs> they're the minions the something yeah. uh okay <laughs> it's a little creepy <laughs> and, and then the question is like what are we supposed to do we're supposed to find the fountain um and that gets interesting here in a second yeah. and oh boy um, can they affect the real world so we know it's them? Uh-huh. It'll be big and we'll know, right? So it's there. It again, we've reached that trickster point where it's like, mm, no, we're not going to give you all the information on that one. Uh-huh. But whatever it is, it'll be big. You'll you'll know. And he gets this mental picture of windows exploding outward. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and in the meantime, he's talking to a large praying mantis. Yeah, that's the weird kind of visual image he gets an impression of when he's under hypnosis, which yeah. I thought was kind of creepy because there are instances of people who claim to have experienced extraterrestrials who look like big praying mantis, really. Yep, yep. And the only other thing that comes up is a pyramid with a lake coming out of it. Uh-huh. And I make the, uh, I guess, inference or the guess that maybe they mean Pyramid Lake in Nevada. Oh, interesting. Um, so, you know, that's kind of an interesting experience. Um, and there's a little segment like right after that, um, where they're, I think it's a day or two later and they're, they're back hanging out with Kyle in Somerset. Mm -hmm. Um, and he takes them to this, basically this, this old well, Mm -hmm. um, on a piece of property in Somerset. And it's, they've, they've, they've capped it with what I think was like an old bell or something, but it's, it's marble and brick. And it's got this inscription about, you know, uh, uh, drinking from the well and you'll always return to Somerset. And it, it, it's, it's got this, this information that is a lot of information. It's got these inscriptions that kind of parallel and kind of tie into kind of some of the stuff that they've been looking at kind of some of the stuff that comes out of carl's hypnosis session it's kind of like an old local landmark or something it is yeah Yeah, totally totally well i've mentioned before that uh we know someone who at least up until recently has lived in the somerset area 
Um, and this was maybe, I can't remember if it was summer of 2020 or 2021 at this okay. point, all that kind of blurs together. But mm-hmm. after Hell Year Season 2, mm-hmm. um, I, I remember reading somewhere that, that that piece of land was in the process of being sold and was going to be developed. Okay. Um, and this person I know, this contact I know who lived out there, um, saw that, um, I think it was, oh shoot, now I can't remember if it was the well or the, like the little like pyramid. Oh. Um, but one of them had been, um, smashed. Uh-huh. They, they, they had started to demolish it. Oh. Um, and I have a feeling it was the little pyramid because that had some brick on it as well as the marble. Ah. If I misspeak, I apologize. Anyway, um, you know, all of us on like Twitter who are familiar with Hellier instantly were like, oh my God, that's terrible. Mm. That's horrible. And then secondarily have the thought of like, you need to go grab some of that stuff. Yeah. You need to go grab some of that material. You need to get it to Greg and Dana. Mm-hmm. They, they need to have it as part of the museum. Right. Well, this person does. Oh, and, cool. and, and yes, gets some to them, gathers up um, a little extra, uh, whatever they can. Um, so... I have two small pieces. You do? I do. How did you get a couple pieces? Um, because I was one of the people that were like, oh my God, you totally need to go get some of that stuff. No way. Are you serious? I am dead serious. I didn't know this. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So I've got, I've got two small pieces wow. of, of the marble and brick. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, from, from that place. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sad that it got smashed. Um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll tether it to an SB7 someday and see what it does. <laughs> um, so I, I bold the whole, can they affect the real world? So we know it's them. I want to talk about that in a little bit here, but before we do that so much, oh my God, I know I'm not, I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. Me too. Yeah. Um, so Tyler goes into an Estes method session using a Frank's box. Um, a borrowed Frank's box, but I'm happy to say the museum has their own now. And really quickly, the short clips they show of, I guess, museum live streams of the folks, those Greg and Dana using oh, Frank's yes. boxes uh, on yes. other occasions. Super creepy. I mean, oh, I've, I haven't watched the whole thing, the whole stream or whatever. No. Um, but it's like they're, they're, they're messing around with the Frank's box and like they're feeling like they're being hutched. That I think was like the very first stuff. time Pretty they had. Yeah. Yeah. Dana had it's, and I'm not joking. She, she really does describe it. It's like, you know, an SB seven, that's like filtered this, mm-hmm. the Frank's box is like just getting the raw signal. Yeah. And yeah, Greg tried it and it's like something I think grabbed, felt like something grabs him on the shoulder and he's like, nope. Yeah. Turns it off. Takes uh, it off. He's like, done. Gonna, no, thank you. Um, so Tyler's session with this, it's, it's crazy because he totally starts affecting this voice and he's like, he's like, I don't even know why I did that. It's so crazy. Um, but they're kind of like, what are we supposed to do with this, this Indrid information? And he goes, leave it alone. (laughs) Trust in it. You know, it's like, okay, so like, try not to ruin the story. Um, but it's kind of funny. They're kind of like, you know, the, like. This sounds like Indrid, but more like Terry's Indrid, and the response is he is one. Mm. Like, okay, so that's the same Indrid. And then they ask who they're talking to, mm-hmm. and he says, my name is Michael. Um, and it's interesting, one of the things that I noticed is is when Tyler is, you know, repeating what he's hearing, he refers 
Uh, he talks a lot as we. Uh-huh. He talks in a plural uh, rather than I. Mm. Um, then the question is, would we recognize you? And his response is, the angel, right? So the archangel Michael, strangely enough, now this is this I is crazy. Just three days earlier, Connor had given Tyler a medallion with the archangel Michael on it. Yeah. Right, Tyler, or sorry, not Tyler. Connor wanted to kind of like bring a little aspect of his own faith mm-hmm. into this and i think gave medallions to everyone but what he gave tyler was an archangel michael and now they're talking to apparently archangel michael yeah. who has this crazy voice yeah. um but then it gets kind of like amped up like it's 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 almost like he's got like the the monster energy drink equivalent of getting this stuff kind of pumped into his ears um but at one point, he just, like, I guess this, the, the, the white noise or the, the, the signal coming through the Frank's box just does this kind of like yeah. kind of sound. And he just pulls the headphones off. And I, yeah. I, I hadn't really realized before just how affected mm-hmm. he looks. Like, he's, he's, he's shook mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but one of the things that he says kind of after that is one man's angel is another man's alien. Yeah, that was interesting. And I, that's one of those things that, like, the first time I watched this season and I took that away, I was like, oh, yeah, I can totally see that. Um, so, oh, man, we are, here we, yeah. Here we are at the final episode of Hellier, episode 15. Yep, the final episode pan or what i like to call the night of pan pizza personally. which you know is is always delicious i know um so fun fact if you didn't know this folks there actually is an audio track that plays in the background of almost the entire episode mm. uh called wilderness geist um and it is kind of designed to enhance the paranormal whoa so like right from the moment you hear like there's like these weird sounds kind of building and then it kind of drops out and they're like there will be blood Mm-hmm. blood will have blood or something like that that's that's that track mm-hmm. playing in the background um you can actually uh, uh purchase it um and uh it's on Bandcamp, and i oh my god i can't remember the name of the guy who does it now shoot i'll have to look that up and try to throw it in the show notes i'm sorry folks it's late um uh so in the grand scheme of things here they are they're in somerset um they decide, you know what, we are going to go into a cave and we're going to try and contact Pan. And they, they built a device that will make those tones that they received information about during the S's box session in the yep. cave near, in Pike County. Yep. Um, they're still kind of a little wigged out because obviously they're in, you know, an area that, you know, Amy says is full of all these creepy guys and robes that, you know, eat people and kill people and, you know, uh, but they go through with it. They, you know, they, Dana asks if Greg would be willing to conduct an invocation, you know, and at first he's a little, a little hesitant, it sounds like. Uh, but uh, they they basically go through this thing. They they play the tone. Um, it looks like it's uh, according to the show notes. Uh, the the keys are C A and F. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you're um, really kind of racing through this a little I'm bit. Sorry, um, I'm sorry. Um, because again, we 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 get shown Dana's just um, research and ritual planning. It's 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 unparalleled, mm-hmm. right? She's like it's it's something like 17 steps. Oh yeah. You know, no iron, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're 
as little as possible we're gonna we're gonna like anoint the camera equipment and stuff like that um not only that but um like on the way to this cave they come across another fallen branch another thing falling in their path right right um and so yeah greg is a little hesitant at doing this and he later reveals and i think it was in the dvd commentary if i remember correctly um is that you know up to this point he was still kind of carrying some of his like catholic guilt at that point yeah from his upbringing he talks about a little bit in the episode um and so for him kind of getting through this process you know he's kind of he's released that he's kind of embraced more like the magical side of things and the chaos magic that he does and stuff like that um and honestly his his invocation you you kind of listen to it and it and it it builds like it you can feel it you can watch it become more powerful you can watch him become more kind of confident in doing it um and 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 really it 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 does it gives me chills watching it um and let's not forget that eopan equals 71 which equals venus and fairy um but yeah they get to a point where they say oh you know what this is let's play the tone Uh um and so dana and connor had worked previously to come up figure out the notes come up with this audio track and and it's thank god we don't watch the whole thing it's a half an hour long um and it's kind of interesting how everybody has slightly different reactions to the tones now most people are like like most of them are like actually really made me kind of queasy yeah they just wanted it to stop uh and but that is a long time to kind of like let those vibrations wash over you Mm -hmm. and everything um and they come out of that and they're like you know what let's let's break bread you know, apparently, apparently eating food is incredibly grounding, which is maybe why I tend to seek it out for comfort sometimes. Mm. Um, but, and I don't, I didn't write down the source, but Greg has read something in a book where it talks about optimal frustration is what you need for an ideal ritual experience. Mm. And they're feeling that they're feeling that frustration. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's, it's Tyler bless him who's like hey you know what we're here let's 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 enjoy what we've got here let's celebrate it let's yeah let's celebrate what we've done what we've accomplished here let's pass the wine around and i'll have a drink and and it almost feels like the episode and the season wraps here this feels like an ending yeah you know um but wait there's more and and just, just when you think you're done just when you thought your brain had melted enough yeah. there is more to melt so apparently they drive up this is time has passed at uh-huh. this point um, um and they drive up to detroit to see john tenney um and so connor had been working with tenney to try and decode the numbers Mm-hmm. making the assumption that they're not GPS coordinates. Right. Right. So working on that. Um, now, person, personally, as much as I'm not really a mathematician, I love the application of math here mm. because it just lends that much more credence to all of it. Okay. Um, and so what they've done or what Connor has done um, with his girlfriend is to lay the numbers out in what's called a magical square a four by four square yeah um no matter which direction Uh you add stuff up everything will either equal out to a three or a nine okay right 93 
we know that's important to Thelemites. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 like the craziest Sudoku you've ever <laughs> seen before. Right, right. Um, but it's really it's really fascinating. Okay. Uh, and so he just he keeps going through. It's like okay, let's um, you know let's add up all the prime numbers. Okay. Right. And he's like, it adds to 193, mm. another 93, which oddly enough is one more than Terry R. Wrist, which equals 192. Mm. Um, and they just start, they just start going everywhere possible uh-huh. with these numbers. Um, um, even, even so far as to uh, imply that with all of this, Terry Wrist was still in contact with Indrid around 2012, mm. because. The email says, you know, the ink in black is isolated still. He'd only know that if he was in contact with them. Right, right. Um, which I hadn't even really considered. Um, so, you know, the 31 on, you know, that picture in the email. Well, Libra 31 is, you know, the, the book of the law. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and, you know, right there on, like, the, the, the title page for it is delivered by a being whose name... Uh, which is Iwas, uh-huh. right, um, is 93 and 418. Now, I, they had previously taken some long uh, thing that Rist had said and put it into the cipher. Uh, I think it was one of his email. Um, and it came out to like 1025 or 1026. And then at that point, when you've got a number that big, there's only so many things that it equals. Uh-huh. Um, and one of them involves the number 418. Right, so we, 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 we've got 93 connections, we've got 418 connections, you know, we've got IWAS whose name equals 93 and 418, I still don't quite know how that works, mm. um, who basically, you know, imparted the information found in Libra 31. Mm. And then they go, you know, okay, where else can we go with this? And they go, well, let's look at chapter 3, verse 9. Uh-huh. And it references something called the Law of the Battle of Conquest, which is also a chapter in the Secret Cipher, uh-huh. which is attributed to Terry Wrist. Right. And it references, um, and that references another book, the Book of Lies. Uh-huh. Um, and then we start getting into this this very complex uh, ritual that Wrist talks about called the Star Sapphire Wrist Ritual. Uh-huh. And that comes from Crowley's The Book of Lies. Um, and for me, like at this point in everything, it feels so incredibly pointed and perfectly laid out that I'm just, I'm... I lost my shit. Left and right here. Uh-huh. Um, but Dana's like, yeah, I kind of, you know, read over the Star Sapphire ritual and I'm not going to say that I understand every bit of it, but it uh-huh. sounds like it's bonkers and it could be dangerous if you don't do it just right. Uh-huh. But one of the things that it talks about is something called Nox, N-O-X. Right, which you think would be nitrous oxide. It's not. <laughs> but Knox is also referred to as the Knight of Pan. Oh, not yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. And that, that is that is kind of a process of ego death, which I you could almost argue that at least one member of the team kind of went through that. Mm. Um, but in all of this, they're like, Well, are we supposed to do this old ritual? And he's like, Tenny's like, I don't think so. I think the mm. phenomena wants new magic. They want something new uh and so you know we're, we're kind of left with just coming through all of this and, and greg does this wonderful 
wonderful kind of ending. He's like, mm. look at all the tools we've got now. He's like, I have no doubt that, you know, we can use the cipher to, you know, locate events and, and you know, certain things. I, I, If anything, this whole experience of these past three episodes, I am a complete believer in the cipher. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I think it's, I think it is legit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that's kind of been kicked around a little humorously, so I'm not, you know, don't put 100% stock in this, is that the invocation of Pan happened mere months, like two months before the COVID pandemic started. Oh. <laughs> and it did affect the whole globe. <laughs> and it was big. And it shook up everything. Yeah. It blew up what we were used to doing. And it actually caused more people not to not just commute all day or sit at a desk all day. People went out into nature safely for a while. And there was even an increase in UFO sightings. Yikes. So was this actually part of what the phenomena was alluding to? I don't know, mm. you know, but it, it does. There's just a little bit there that makes me kind of wonder. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'll be honest, I, I don't think we did the numbers justice. Like, again, folks, if you're listening to this before watching it, I don't know why you're doing it in that order. Um, but if you have already seen Hellier, maybe you haven't watched Night of Pan in a while. Yeah. Like, go back and watch it because just, like, even... It's deep. It is. Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, now, before I jump into some cipher hits, which I will do very quickly because good lord... <laughs> um, you have a note in here, hopes and predictions for season three. Right. I mean, I, I, I really quickly, I, I hope there, there will be a season three. You know, I'm hopefully. pretty confident there will be. Um, you know, really quickly, I hope we get to meet Terry Wrist. I don't know if that'll happen. It'd be great. Um, I really, really hope they somehow record spirit box voices. They record during SS method sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, also, I really, doing these episodes with you has really made me see how you're in a different light. I honestly believe that the David emails were pretty much just an effort by Wrist or whatever, whoever Wrist is, to get Greg and Dana down to Pike County, the right place and time to document a big UFO flap. Mm -hmm. And I have to wonder, okay, if Wrist used the cipher to figure out that there was going to be a UFO flap in Pike County in October 2012, I wonder what text he was using to decode that. Like, I almost wonder if you could throw that into the cipher and run it backward and get, like, words or phrases that you could search through, like, I don't know, Google Books or something like that. And maybe yeah. up with, I don't know. That would be um, interesting. Do you have any hopes or predictions for season three? I, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, really, I think anything that I, I mean, yes, I, I, I hope they figure out who Terry Wrist is. Mm. I, I would be so curious about that. That's that's my big question. That's, I mm -hmm. think, what they want to find out, too. Mm -hmm. um, will it happen? I, I couldn't possibly guess. Yeah. Um, I do know that Greg said, like, not even five hours after season two dropped, they got an email from someone, and it blows a whole new avenue of investigation open. Really? Um, so, I mean, I think there's new places to go. I think there's new information to find. Mm. Um, you know, will will it take them outside of Kentucky? Mm. Maybe. Are we mm. going to see kind of like a bigger, you know, uh, broader uh, thing? I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. I know coming from these guys, it'll be good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That much right. I do now. Right, right. Um, so, okay. You ready for some cipher hits? Let's do it. All right. Knox. 
right? Knox is 43. Notice how it's an inverse of Dale. Dale was 34. Mm. Um, a star, a book, follow a goat. There's our pan. Um, let's see. Joys, food. Um, yeah, not, not a bunch of great stuff. Knight of Pan. Knight of Pan is 142. Uh, interplay. Uh, it's three. Remember the whole, like, it takes three? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even better, the tramp. Mm. Yep. Um, or be drunken. Mm-hmm. Or be nothing. Um, 49, come, O ye God. Oh. Remember, 49, I am 49 place. Oh, the tramp. Uh, yep. yep. And also remember, 418, if you add the one and the eight, you get 49. Um, not surprisingly, Knight of Pan equals 142 equals EO Pan, EO Pan. That's 71 71. Um, uh, we get of the light, we get the golden god, we get the nectar, we get true light, but we also get corrupted. And then we also get in a secret. We get great danger. Uh, we get learn and teach. Um, uh, I decided also to look at um, Osiris and Al-Qadir and Cernanos, um, all of our other kind of pan figures that are mentioned. Osiris is 75. Um, we get manyhood. We get symbols. We get reveal force warriors. Um, we get Nox 41. What? Mm. And let's not forget that 41 equals Doug, Ohio, Loki, Pan, and Hades. So we get Knight of Pan, uh-huh. and then we get something that equals Pan. Mm. I don't know. Uh, end of all, Dark Stars mm. for Osiris. Uh, Al-Qadir, um, Core, Face, Help, King, Lapis. Now this was interesting. Lapis Lazuli, or Lapis, is short for a deep blue metamorphic rock uh-huh. used as a semi-precious stone that has been prized since antiquity for its intense color. Mm. Oddly enough, book seven, which is one of the many books that you can run ciphers through on yeah. anyquery.com, is the book of lapis lazuli. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Um, now, for what it's worth, 57 also equals phallus. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, also equals satyr, Pan being a satyr. Cernanos, 121, O Horned One, and also of the goat. See, we're getting a lot of Pan imagery in these three. Um, Let's see, uh, Crystal Cave, Galloping God, which I thought was an interesting one. Um, It equals mountain, um, and worth noting, your green man equals the mountain. So again... We got a little bit of this here. Um, strangely, Cernanos equals 121, also equals nipples. <laughs> so take that for what you will. Okay. Um, we also get key of it. We get my lord had it. Uh, your proof. But get this. Cernanos equals 121 equals still water. Mm. Yep. And it also equals golden cup. Hmm. Guess what color the tin can has kind of when you clean it up. Is it, is it golden? It's brassy. Oh, okay. So, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, for what it's worth, um, I ran Amy through the cipher just for S's and G's. Uh-huh. Some of the interesting things we get a mask huh. for Doug, perhaps. We get shall fall. Definitely did fall. Um, and also a man. Huh. Makes you wonder. Um, Sirius. I'll be quick here. Just got a couple more. Um, Sirius. We get uh, rave and howl. Uh-huh. Uh, goat's horn, uh, stealth, the cloak, vast black, 
am above. It's Ray. Uh, Sirius equals 85 equals Lord had it. Oh, we just had that. We did. Uh, equals dark home equals alter I am, but also equals the door. Hmm. For every window closed, there's it, right? Hmm. Blue star, 106. I love you. Uh-huh. Blue star equals 106 equals I love you. I like that right there. It also equals the angel. It also equals journey. It also equals starlight. It also equals the sign. Mm. Um, tidings, the or- ordeal, and calls the world. Can I just mention something really quickly please. here? Please, please, you please. Have, you also have ruby star? Yes. That's an interesting thing because um, the, the, whenever we think of sapphires, at least when I do, I think of a blue gemstone. Mm-hmm. But in reality, sapphires come in every color. And when a sapphire is red, that's the only time we ever call it something different, and it's a ruby. So strictly speaking, chemically speaking, a ruby is a sapphire. So for blue star, it's a sapphire star, which is interesting. Cause interesting. Sapphire. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Then I figured lastly, you know, we've come full circle with this. Let's throw Hellier into the, <laughs> the cipher. The big one. 93. Not only does it also apparently equal Sinclair. Holy crap. Mm. Illusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, 93 for Hellier also equals both mother and nature, which mm-hmm. I find very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, original. An unknown, an old gray, which is kind of weird. Lonely woods, uh, hellier equals 93 equals circle, equals time, equals I was afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it also equals stuff like the vast, unity, listen, among you. It also equals masters. It also equals the altar, right? Which means the title of episode... Uh, first episode of tonight, right? Part 11, which would be episode, yeah, episode 11. The Altar. Mm, they they literally named it an equivalent of Hellier. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, thought I would share those. And folks, thank oh, yeah. you for listening this long. This is definitely officially our <laughs> longest episode ever as we are almost two and a half hours yeah. into recording. So let's make this last part quick, even though Super it's hard. excellent. Every month, Seb is going to dig into the old time newspaper archives to unearth a story of high strangeness. Seb, what do we got? Well, we have a great article from the Humboldt Time newspaper from July 3rd, 1875. So a real oldie. I'm not going to read the whole article, just a really brief clip, but there will be a link to it, I believe, in the show notes. Absolutely. All right. So this one is uh, titled A Kentucky Yarn. So back to Kentucky. This is what a truthful Kentucky man who threw his little hatchet after a rabbit saw down the hole into which he went to get it. Wait, wait, wait. This is a rabbit hole? This is a literal rabbit hole. He's going down the rabbit hole. Nice. Good point. Arriving at the bottom, he observed a room like a cave. Casting his eyes about him, he discovered two vessels filled, one with silver and the other with gold coin. When there arose a succession of shrieks, yells, and noises, and glancing up, he saw, glancing up, saw, gazing upon him, eight or ten things resembling men, who had once lived, but now nothing remained but their bones. Ooh. He lost no time in getting out of the cave without obtaining one piece of the precious metal. His story is believed by many. They are organizing a company for the purpose of fighting the goblins. <laughs> so what is Hellier? Hellier started with a alien cave 
Space Task Force to go fight underground Kentucky cave goblins. And here is a company of, of Kentucky people to fight cave goblins in 1875. So what's old is new again. What's new is old again. And everything goes in a big circle. So Yeah. Everything goes in a big circle, which equals 93, which equals Hellier. <laughs> Great. Um, wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, folks, thank you. Thank you from literally the bottom of my heart. This has been an incredible ride. Yeah. Three whole months talking not just about this fantastic series, but mm -hmm. all the weirdness, not just in it, but how that weirdness has affected our lives. Oh, for sure. Um, and I think will continue to affect our lives mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. moving forward. Um, so that's it for this month. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you for joining us on this adventure into the weirdness that I think permeates our reality every day. Um, if you've got an experience you want to share with us, or if you've got questions, or maybe we got something wrong, which, you know, hey, it happens, email us at allnightgeeks at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at allnightgeeks. You can follow me on Twitter at busbuddha71, and you can follow Seb at McMuffin. Yeah, definitely subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Joe's Podcast Jack. And be sure to rate mm -hmm. and review us as well. And, you know, just as importantly, share us with your friends. Mm -hmm. Word of mouth goes a long way to spread the love around, and we would love it if you tell at least one friend about the podcast. Um, we want to give massive thanks, as always, to the Ghoulies for letting us use Hot Rods from Outer Space from their mm -hmm. album Midnight in America as our intro and outro music. Please give them a follow on social media and go hit up thegooliesdenver.bandcamp.com to buy their music. Um, we've got merch. Uh, that's over at shop.spreadshirt.com slash N-O-T-L-G. That's right, shirts, buttons, stickers. Go check all that out. And huge thanks, as always, to Kate, the steam-powered mouse, for doing the show's artwork. Um, depending on your feelings about the pandemic, <laughs> you know... Um, definitely go get your booster. Um, I'm trying to schedule that, uh, not necessarily as we speak, but soon. Um, but help out your local artists, help out your local businesses, support them. And if you want to throw a few bones our way, we're not going to tell you no. You can do that over at patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G. Um, that's it. Uh -huh. That is it. I'm going to go crawl into a cave <laughs> and fall asleep because I need to be up in six hours. Um, that's, us. that's it for this month. That's it for our look at Hellion. Uh, we will catch you next month with actually a different topic. <laughs> and in the meantime, get out and find something weird. Good night. If you go even further and you draw a line between Table Rock, you went to Cave City shortly thereafter that. And then where did you guys go after that? Mount Shasta. Finding Bigfoot at Mount Shasta. Get out of here. Right what? Is that right over the peak? Fucking peak. Right over the peak. It goes right to the circle of that mountain.